episode 903. The Green Bay Packers were so bad against the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday, they fired Mike McCarthy afterwards. So who's next to lead the team? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison here at Birock Bar and Restaurant. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how you doing today? I'm fittingly nauseous. Fittingly nauseous from the Green Bay Packers or no, something I, else? I've been nervously drinking a lot of Coke before the show, and I haven't <laughs> eaten yet. That would do it. Uh, so, fair to say that the Packers did not make you nauseous? Oh, they did. That's why it's fitting that I'm oh, okay. You know, also nauseous from, from my beverage. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, all right. We got plenty to talk to today. If you know anything about the Green Bay Packers, you know they fired head coach Mike McCarthy immediately after the game on Sunday. So, Ben, we've, we've got to start by addressing the firing. Did it surprise you? Surprised? Did it surprise me? Is the Pope surprised by the heft of his miter? Is a groundhog surprised by lawns recently aerated by True Green? Those aren't analogies for how surprised I was. Those are just burning questions you remind me of that I would like the answer to if anyone knows. But back to that, was I surprised? Yeah, I, I was surprised. It's not a deer darting in front of your headlights type surprise, more of a happy birthday surprise sort of surprise. You know, like I was excited by the drama of it, by the whatever is the opposite of comedic timing of it. Yeah, but unlike the JFK assassination where if you ask anyone, they know exactly where they were when they found out. I was told like three separate times that he had been fired, but it wasn't so literal that I knew it had actually happened. And they were like, oh, so what do you think of McCarthy? And I was like, yeah, you know, he's really shit in the bed. You know, like that, those are all my responses. And then someone's like, they fired McCarthy. And I was like, oh. And the, but that's what all the other ones were telling me. So, like, that's how surprised I was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. like everyone, I, I think... You know, it kind of caught you out of the blue that right after the game, right after his press conference, nonetheless. Um, I mean, how how long do you think Mark Murphy was contemplating? I mean, he had to be like, man, if they look bad Sunday, I'm going to do this. Like, they had to get a press release all <laughs> ready to go. I, like, In my head, I would like to imagine that he was watching the post-game press conference and just like, just like watching him mumble through all these answers just like i can't wait to fire him or like oh if he answers this one right maybe i won't do it come on say it you know like, yeah what was the game that bad that it necessitated mccarthy's firing like when, did the showing itself sunday was it that bad that's a matter of opinion but yes it was that bad like the car- we were a two-touchdown favorite against a Cardinals team that averages a league-worst 14.5 points a game, who had only beaten the 49ers coming into the day, who have been starting rookie Josh Rosen out of necessity after falling for the human Humpty Dumpty and genetic Ponzi scheme known as Sam Bradford. Rosen, a fish <laughs> out of water that completed all of 11 passes on Sunday for a team that hasn't completed 200 passes all season, averages 153 yards a game and just eight first downs. After losing to that sad outfit at home, 
what are you going to do? I mean, when you get railed in the nuts, you scream like the bejesus. That's just, that's what you do. That's the impulse. When you suffer a historic loss like this, someone has to burn in cathartic effigy. We're not so civilized to do without those ceremonies. And what are our options? I mean, we're, we're going to ask the Ravens to fire Montgomery again. <laughs> like, you turn, you're just like, ah, McCarthy. We could have flagellated Scantling in public or thrown Fackler and Stocks on Lombardi Avenue. <laughs> and it's not too late to do that either. Just wait till we lose to the Bears by 40 or something. We'll there, have to do it. There are four games left of the season, unfortunately. Yeah, that's almost. the sad thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was bad. All right. Um, a, a big topic of debate this week has been, should Aaron Rodgers have input into the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers? What do you think? I think his opinion should be one of many factors um, that go into the decision, but someone else makes it. I don't trust someone who is inexplicably throwing every third ball as a back shoulder, whether it's needed or not, (laughs) to have the vision to to make this decision. Is is this the norm? Like, do are any quarterbacks consulted? I don't. I I definitely don't think it's the norm. No, I mean, I don't think he should at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you want to know, you want to have the feel of your players when, you, when you're making this decision. You want to take that into, you know, yeah. into consideration, but you're not going to base your decision on that. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I should mention that Mark Murphy has said that Aaron Rodgers won't have input into the decision, um, and, and I don't think he should either. Um, you, you know, it's, it's the kind of situation where, you know, what, what if – they involve Aaron Rodgers, but he's in the minority, and like everybody else wants to hire somebody else. Then you set up for like resentment who the next coach would be, don't you? I mean, you're you're inevitably going to come to that that friction, one way or the other. If if your quarterback is getting to call the shots like that, and you can never make a decision that opposes that, yeah, you, the, the the boat's already sunk. No. Because you're never going to see, you can't see eye to eye on everything. No. So, I mean, if it's over the head coach or if it's over what play to call or if it's over the next thing, like, at some point, that bridge has got to be crossed. I'd like to think it, it hasn't been an issue at all, and it's not going to be one. But I don't know. That could be the case. We shall see. Um, ben, do you have an opinion on who the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers should be yet? You know I do. I mean, I'm going back to my man Steve Harvey. I mean, at least just for the end of the year, give the fans something. You can't tell me he wouldn't do it. Last week on his talk show, he did eggnog recipes and a consumer report on tampons. And I don't know which puckered up his face more. At the very least, I hope we steer clear of the Urban Meyer rumor. Because as soon as he comes in, you know he's going to sign Kareem Hunt to a long contract and make Darren Sharper our special teams coach. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, Steve Harvey, he's, he's a man of... Uh... Many talents. Changing the subject on me, aren't you? <laughs> Going back. I don't want to talk about Urban Meyer and those other illicit incidents. That's, got, that's just a rumor, right? Like Condoleezza Rice is higher up on the list than <laughs> Urban Meyer. Please, God, tell me. Condoleezza Rice. Yes. Uh, and Steve Harvey, top of the list. Yes. Just to the end of the Definitely. season. Definitely. Um, what, what confidence level do you have in Joe Philbin as the interim coach? You mean like to last the rest of the season and not like fall on something sharp, like fatally, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think he can stand upright through the rest of the season, but he's he's no head. <laughs> They're coach. not going to fire him before oh, the end. Of that the would game. be incredible. I mean, 
He, he certainly doesn't pass the eye test. It looks like he just opened the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, a fitting comparison, giving the Warling nightmare of this season. But, I mean, he's not a head coach. You look at his tenure in Miami, he never had a winning season. He's not going to step in and be our head coach. We don't want him to be. We just need him to stand upright and not be McCarthy. Yeah. I mean, if you go on Philbin's Wikipedia page, which I, I know is not the place for burning insight on sports, but in, uh, some, in the summation of his tenure in, in Miami, it says, the end of Philbin's tenure was, made favor- was met favorably, favorably by most fans and media alike. <laughs> It's got a really upbeat, like, zing to it. You know, I like, he went on I like there. the opinion being thrown in on a Wikipedia page. <laughs> hey, that's like Rotten Tomatoes, man. The, meta, the Rotten Tomatoes on Philbin is like a 23%. Yeah. Well, I, I, let's hope he can make it through the end of the year. I think he will. You think he's going to melt before then? <laughs> I get it. Thought maybe they would make Winston Moss the interim head coach, as you know, his, his title is associate head coach already. But they decided not to go that route. You know, you were joking earlier when you said, "Are they going to fire him too?" That that's another option. I think I would have put someone there that you could fire <laughs> because you don't know that this isn't the the low point of our season. <laughs> Unfortunately, that may be the case. Uh, We're going to come back uh, to more coaching talk uh, with our guest we have on the show, uh, which, by the way, is Jim Weiner of Last Word on Sports. We got his segment in a bit. Uh, Before we do, uh, we're going to get to our chips report from the last game. Uh, This might be an abbreviated version because uh, it seems like what happens on the field is secondary to what's happening off of it right now. But if we do um, um, uh, want to go through this, the best of the best, your blue chip players from this game, uh, really, I, I think there was only one blue chip player, and, uh, I mean, we had to give it to somebody else because we always have to. Uh, but the top one, Devontae Adams. Oh, yeah. you got to give it to the 65% of our offense or whatever he, he <laughs> makes up. I mean, it's him and Aaron Jones. They're our offense. So, yeah, he, he made two – fantastic grabs. He got that one on the sideline to keep that drive going. We got the, the touchdown in the back of the end zone. Neither one of those really should have been that close, you know, but yeah. the throws were a little bit off, and, and he made a fantastic play. He was the the excitement of the day. Yeah. Other than Kumaro getting his first catch, he might be the only person that's going to look back fondly on this game. <laughs> yes. Um, if he played a little more, he might have made uh, the chips report, but uh, unfortunately... He didn't, just didn't play enough in this game. We'll ho- hope to see more of Jake Kumaro. But, yeah, uh, Devontae Adams, team leading, eight catches, 93 yards, 11.6-yard average, long a 19, touchdown, did a good job. You're, I'm, I'm kind of making a switch here. Uh, your other blue-chip player from this game, uh, in my opinion, center Corey Lindsley. Yeah, I'm glad. I was, I, we had t- discussed this earlier. Yeah. And we were, you Bakhtiar and you switched to Lindsley. That, yeah. That's the lineman I had most favorably. He was my second highest rated Packer. I was gonna, I was gonna make a substitution on you, and then you subbed it before I could. Yeah, good call. Yeah, he, uh, he played well. I had him uh, four impact plays on the on the day. Uh, many of them in the fourth quarter. Good run blocking in the fourth quarter. Yeah, good job by Corey Lindsley out there, opening holes, pass protection, the the whole package there. Uh, red chips from this game then, um, giving and these are guys who are just merely 
barely above average this game. Uh, but uh, Aaron Jones, one of them, I mean, seemingly every week. I, I just can't find – his stats certainly didn't jump off the page by any means, but he t- took what was given to him, and he did score the touchdown rushing and chipped in four catches and generally, you know, took what was given to him. Right. I mean, a meager performance, but – which is really good for that for that game. But, I mean, he is really talented. You see him get the ball, and he's making a play there. Our offense is so bad right now yeah. that, yeah, he's he's got to make plays take place. I was surprised by really uh, our run blocking took a step back, and I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. And so that's part of it. But, yeah, he's an explosive player. He made some things happen. Um, your other red chip player uh, by default here, David Bakhtiari, who I know he gave up like one pressure there, but other than that, I th- thought he had a fairly solid game. Yeah, I was a bit underwhelmed given the level of play he's had this year. Yeah, you know, everyone kind of played underperformed this this week, except for Adams, who played fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, he he played well though. Your couch chip players, the worst of the worst in a green and gold uniform. One of them, Jason Spriggs, and uh, it's easy to point out when you have two penalties, one offsides, one holding, but on top of that, uh, he didn't exactly do a stellar job blocking. I remember there was the, the third and one call and, and that they they kind of ran up right, right guard, right tackle, and, you know, didn't happen. Yeah, nothing was done. It, yeah, I was really that was that was such a sad performance i can't even put it into words really he just really crapped the bed yeah your other one clay matthews and if i were to give a dishonorable mention i'd give it to kyler fackrell but i saw uh clay matthews miss several tackles slide off tackles and and do nothing uh uh rushing the passer i actually didn't have him as bad i didn't have yeah. him ranked that bad okay no, i had i gave him some impact plays actually I actually had him ranked pretty high. I know he didn't. They weren't, uh, when I say, I shouldn't say impact plays. He Five positive plays. Okay. Nothing really impactful. I yeah. should completely change that. You would go with Kyler Fackrell. Oh, I would go with Antonio Morrison and Blake Martinez, who okay. combined to do nothing. Yeah. They look like, it was like watching the American Gladiators at the end when they want, run through those paper walls. <laughs> and, like, there's just randomly a, a gladiator behind, like, two of the three. Except there were like two dozen such doors and two supposed gladiators. They don't do anything. Yeah. Martinez stands there in an athletic stance, and he just like acts like he's going to do something, and he he doesn't. And then somebody runs the five years yards and grabs him and starts blocking him. And you'd think that was his whole purpose. He just stands there and he's like, "Yep, we're blocking each other." It's like do something. And Antonio Morrison just runs randomly. I don't know what impulse is going through his gray matter, shooting him east and west. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, Blake Martinez, team leading 10 tackles, but as we know, tackles are not always the, the top statistic you should cite when, when citing productivity, I guess. And, and what's interesting is Antonio Morrison, I don't think he was credited with a single tackle this game. So while Blake Martinez at least made plays downfield, Morrison did nothing. Ugh. I was I was getting so frustrated watching those two try and play the run. And yeah. keep in mind, this is a Cardinals team that gets 77 yards a game rushing. Yeah, they ran for 150 plus. 
<laughs> in that play where Rosen just windmilled like awkwardly, like a newborn deer for 33 years, 33 yards, years. It felt like 33 <laughs> years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's your chips report. Uh, really upbeat one. Real upbeat one. We'll, we'll get back to the coaching search here with our guest, Jim Weiner of Last Word on Sports. But first, Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you by B-Rock, where on Saturday, December 8th, we're hosting Extra Life, a gaming marathon for charity. Customers are encouraged to bring board games, card games, even handheld video games from 10 o'clock a.m. to 6 o'clock p.m., $1 for every beer sold goes to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. We'll also have a special tapping of Woot Stout by Stone Brewing just for the occasion. Play games, drink beer, raise money. That's Saturday, December 8th at Beer Rock. And with that, we'll take, we'll, uh, take a little pause here, get our guests on the phone, and we'll be right back. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, Okay. Railbird Central is back, and right now we have Jim Widener of Last Word on Sports on the phone. Jim, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on tonight. You bet. We're glad to have you on the show. Friend of the show, you've been on before. We're glad to talk to you once again. It's been a while. Um, the biggest reason we invited Jim on the show is a, a recent article he wrote for Last Word on Sports, and, and we'll get to that article in a minute. But first, I have to start with your reaction to the Mike McCarthy firing. Well, you know what, Brian? The, the actual firing doesn't come as much as a surprise. Uh, for Packers fans that have watched this season, and even last season when Brent Hundley was forced into action with the broken collarbone to Rodgers, this team is just, it, it hasn't been the same. Uh, it's just the actual, it, the expiration date on McCarthy with the Green Bay Packers had come. And something had to be done. Now, obviously, it, it's a bit of a surprise that uh, the Packers let him go during the season. It's very unlike the Packers. Uh, they're very much like the Steelers, very loyal to their coaches and their employees. So, yeah, I mean, that came as, as a, probably a bit of a shocker to everybody that they actually did it but after what we witnessed on Sunday against the uh, two and nine then two and nine Cardinals now three and nine uh, it, it didn't come as much as a as a surprise uh, the biggest thing is it, it just if you watch these games especially Sunday the amount of effort put out I guess would be very questionable at the very at the very least and it was time to make a change and you know it's when you're watching the Packers as long as I have and a lot of Packers fans out there and you don't have much reaction during the game, you know something's wrong. I mean, I, I saw on Twitter on Sunday that uh, you could have a ticket to Lambeau Field for $26, which is just shocking. And, uh, yeah, it's just it, it's the time had come, and uh, Murphy and Gutekunst decided that uh, they couldn't uh, take it any longer and something had to give. Uh, I some uh, young kids who have never been to a game at Lambeau before. This might be their Christmas present, some kids in the Green Bay area. Um, Jim, have you formed an opinion yet on who the next coach of the Green Bay Packers should be? Well, it's funny that uh, you should ask that. I also write for Pack to the Future, and going to probably go up tomorrow. I'm going to actually have an article uh, about who I think the Packers should look at, and uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Chris Richard from uh, the Dallas Cowboys. He's the pass game uh, defensive coordinator 
pass game coordinator, defensive backs coach. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's time for a change. And we're seeing a lot of names being thrown out that have an offensive background. And I guess what I think the Packers need is not somebody who's another offensive guru like McCarthy was, but something totally different. Some, somebody who can lead a team and is a younger guy and has some enthusiasm. And I think Chris Richard, and I'll detail it tomorrow in my article, but it, it talks. I'll talk about the, the fact that there's so many things wrong with the Packers right now. It's obviously Rodgers isn't playing the way that we're used to, and the offense isn't the high-octane offense that we're used to. But you look at the special teams, that's a disaster. And then Mike Pettin's defense is improved from what we've seen under Don Capers, but still it has a long ways to go. So to me... I don't think they should limit themselves just for offensive side side offensive sided coaches or candidates. It actually they should open it up and look at everybody. But I'm looking for a coach that would be a leader, somebody that's not just you know that can change the offense, but change the. I hate to use the term, but uh, the culture of this team, and it's it just it's stale right now. And what I see in Chris Richard is a. Uh, uh, somebody who had coached under Pete Carroll and has a lot of enthusiasm when he was with the Seahawks, and he's done a fantastic job. He took over play-calling duties. Rod Marinelli, uh, the first week of the season, handed over play-calling, uh, defensive play-calling duties to Richard, and, and he's been impressive throughout his tenure, very short tenure with the Cowboys. So uh, that will be coming up. But, yeah, I think that at the very least, yeah, you're seeing Josh McDaniels, uh, John uh, – uh, what's it? Uh, De Filippo. De Filippo, and even uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, somebody who's never coached in the NFL, who's doing a great job at Oklahoma, but he's never coached in the NFL. It's, I think that it's yes, the offense needs something to kickstart it, but they need something to kickstart this franchise and get it back to where it was. No, I th- I think you're in the minority in terms of the direction. <laughs> Uh, I'm yes, not saying you're wrong, but yeah, interesting. I, I remember when I covered the the Seahawks when they went to the Super Bowl against the uh, the Patriots. The, him, you know, that was the year that he coached the Legion of Boom, and yep. that was a good defense out there. Uh, but uh, Jim, getting to the article you wrote, um, which was published before Mike McCarthy was fired, by the way, you, you offered a critique of Packers president Mark Murphy. Uh, can you sum up your premise that you wrote about? Oh, you bet. I mean, I think the biggest thing when I wrote this article was the fact that we've been hearing a lot of you know, bashing on Ted Thompson, McCarthy, and all of it deserved. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending those two. But under what we're seeing with the Packers franchise right now, the status that they're at, this happened under Mark Murphy's watch. And if you look back from now, I'm, I'm, what he's done on the business side has been wonderful for the Green Bay Packers organization. organization. Title Town's a success. Uh, the things that he's doing to, to build up the real estate around Lambeau Field is fantastic. It's, it's giving an environment, a, a, a place that fans want to go, just not just to see the games, but to actually spend time in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But in my article, I talked about all the football decisions that he's made since he took over for legendary President Bob Harlan have been questionable from uh, his first, uh, when he first arrived, it was his bribe to, if you want to call it a bribe to Brett Favre, uh, 
what I found the most appalling is the fact that he kept Ted Thompson in charge of football operations when he had and knew he had health issues. Then, in fact, and that's been reported, um, in the fact that Russ Ball, who was his right-hand man, Rob Demosky wrote a great article from ESPN.com uh, in September about how Russ Ball, not Ted Thompson, was making some of these personnel decisions because Thompson had lost his quote-unquote fastball. Now, to me, that's mind-boggling. He, he's a financial guy. He's done a great job with contracts and the salary cap. But I don't. I work at a company that I wouldn't want my CFO making personnel decisions. That's just me. So in, in the article, I, I discussed that it's not just the fact that Murphy has done a great job on the business side. Every football decision that he's been involved with or oversaw has been an issue. And I think that he's got to take a little more responsibility in this. And I'm not saying he's not taking some, but if you watched his press conference yesterday discussing the McCarthy firing, you know, it, 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 the last thing that he did was, of course, and if you watched the press conference, was the new front office structure that the Packers currently have. He went away from something that was a proven success, something that he, that the, the Minnesota Vikings ran in the middle 2000s that was a failure. I know some franchises run the same thing and have had success, but why, why tear down something that has been so successful over the years and then not allow Brian Gutekunst, who really is just now a player personnel director, the, the control of hiring and firing Coach, it's to me, I don't understand that. He talked about tearing down silos that had been built, again, under his watch that he didn't, he left out. And now it's it's almost silo, it's bigger silos because everybody's reporting to Murphy and not talking to each other. We're not reporting to, you know, what the right hand's doing and what the left hand's doing. So, so, so I guess I they... think. The, the, the easy follow-up question here would be, is, is there anything Murphy can do to redeem himself? And if so, what, what would it be in your eyes? Well, the first thing he's, he could do and that he's not going to do is let Gutekinds hire the new head coach. But right now, he needs to bring in a coach that, as I talked about with Chris Richard or whoever the new coach is going to be, he's going to have to hire a leader, somebody that can turn this franchise around. Not just somebody that can coach up Aaron Rodgers, but somebody who can turn this franchise around. They can't rebuild right now. They have a 35-year-old quarterback who has had a down season. Or I should say a season not up to his standards. But he's got to hire somebody that can take this franchise and not win five years from now. He's got to win. A, he's got to win at the very least two years from now. I know Gutekunst is still redoing the uh, the roster and. Thompson didn't leave him with the best situation. And I think that that's the only way. This hire is going to make or break Mark Murphy. In two years, if this coach is a success, Mark Murphy will be put on a pedestal. If he's not, he'll be out the door. Very interesting how that will play itself out. So, uh, Jim, what, what does Brian Gutekunst need to do this offseason? I'm sure there's a laundry list, but if you could cut it down to, like, you know, the top couple things, what does he have to do? It's. I think, Brian, it's going to be a, a, a tough job for Gutekunst because he can't do what Thompson usually did with just draft players and develop them. This franchise with 12 under center has to win 
pretty fast and has to get back to, at the very least, playoffs next year. He's going to have to bring in some free agents that can help right away. He doesn't have to go out and get crazy. He's going to have to get rookies that can contribute right away. So you're looking at tight end, obviously outside linebacker, and offensive line. Offensive line, to me, is is in a bad situation. It's thin. He's going to have to get some depth on the offensive line. But right now, he's got to you know, reload a little bit, get a, get a tight end that's, you know, uh, I think it was Pete Doherty wrote a great article uh, in the last couple of days about how they need to finally get a young tight end in. They missed, Jimmy Graham isn't the player that he used to be. Martellus Bennett was a huge bust. He's going to have to get in a young play, uh, playmaking tight end. So he's got a lot of on his wish list. I mean, you've got outside linebacker, offensive line, a tight end, and obviously a safety. Uh, he traded away HaHa Clinton Dix this season for a fourth-round pick. He's going to have to get somebody. Maybe he looks at like a Landon Collins in, in free agency. He's got to get somebody in there and that back end that can be a, a veteran, I think, a veteran that can provide leadership. Yeah, no, no shortage of uh, holes to fill for the Packers here. Finally, last question for you, Jim. How, how are you approaching the remainder of the season, and in particular this week's game against the Falcons? Who and what are you watching? I think, uh, you know, it's a great question, Brian. I think the first thing that you're going to look at is how 12 answers uh, what happened with McCarthy. Uh, is Was it – if 12's got to come out – and the Falcons, I know, are have, having a down season, but still they have a lot of key players on the defensive side. Rodgers has got to come out and, and prove that he's there's the issue didn't lie with him. So I think that's the first thing, and, and that's the easiest answer, but it is to see how Rodgers reacts to the new interim head coach, Joe Philbin. I, I also got to see that these young players don't stop playing. Uh, Jarek Alexander's played outstanding this year. They still, uh, Kenny Clark is, is, I think, playing a Pro Bowl-type season. So those younger players got to keep playing and just not mail it in and, and show that even though that, the chance of making the playoff is minute that they're still playing for something and at the very least playing for the names on their back. Yeah. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your insight. Uh, keep up the good work there at Last Word on Sports and Pack to the Future. Uh, we'll talk to you again, all right? Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on tonight. You bet. Take care. Yep, bye-bye. Jim Weiner of Last Word on Sports joining us here at Braille Bird Central live at B-Rock on a Tuesday evening, and we're bringing Ben Hofferman back on the show. It's time for our mailbag segment, and we're going to get to uh, our listener questions in a second. But first, Ben, the the Packers made a transaction today. They placed uh, safety Ibrahim Campbell on injured reserve, and to take his spot, signed rookie seventh-round draft trace Kendall Donerson to the roster. Uh, Any reaction to that? Never heard of him. Put him in the lineup. (laughs) <laughs> Can't be any worse than what oh, they've got, Oh, man, right? I don't want to see Antonio Morrison for the rest of my days. Well, Donerson's an outside oh, linebacker. No, no. Not put him in. there. Okay. <laughs> Move them all around. <laughs> I don't care. Put him there. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't want to see Martinez play either. I don't want to see him any. I don't, nah, put him in. The Campbell injury came out of the blue, though. Like, uh, I didn't know things were that bad. They, could, they probably made it up. 
<laughs> All right, from our listeners, Peter Isles on Twitter, a frequent uh, contributor to the show, he asks, will you admit my foresight on air that there was no point in waiting to fire McCarthy? Oh, Peter, 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 Peter. Your foreplay is all wrong. You are clearly a scorched earth lover, a strictly business procreator. You don't sprint out of the bathroom in tidy whities and crew socks with toothpaste still caked in the corner of your craw, elbow the old lady and entice with a will, and pull the pale member through the cotton lattice. If we threw that hammer right out of the gate, though we knew this mating would lead nowhere, would be nothing but sweat and work and frustration. If we had fired McCarthy, imagine the sour reckoning that we would be faced with right now. Are we going to turn to our green and golden boy, the 12, and look into his eyes and say, it's you, honey? <laughs> That's what we would have had to do. Like, who do you blame? You wanted to fire him last week. Come on, you got to save him for a moment like this. Yeah. Get you out of a pinch. I was surprised they did it this early, but, I mean, in hindsight, I don't mind. You know, and allows McCarthy to go find another head coaching gig, too. If Oh, yeah, he's off the hook. I mean... God, he would have to sit there and mumble his way through like question after question <laughs> that is like very politely saying, "Why do you guys just suck so much?" <laughs> you know, and like you know, he in the back of his head's like, "We're just not good." <laughs> From NBS Eight on Twitter, how do you think the players will respond to this? I like the fact when Bakhtiari, Adams, and even Rogers said that the lack of success falls on each and every one of them. Uh, I'm never about giving up. I want them to fight. I think the only player whose like reaction I'm really looking for is Rodgers because for the rest of them like I think they're going to continue to play as they've been playing, you know, like most of these guys, these pro athletes like they go out there and they try every game. You know, you watch yeah. a team that stinks and they're still out there busting their hump, you know, it doesn't matter. They're just that competitive. You don't get to that level and not just want to win every time. Yeah. But they just don't have the talent. I just I don't think the team's talented enough. Rodgers is the one guy where it's like, is this in, is he in a funk? You know, is 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 this gonna like kick him out of it or like that's the only guy who's like mentality I'm looking for I guess in this game. Yeah, it, it really it will be interesting to watch Aaron Rodgers. It's always like for me, it's always like been a given. Like Aaron Rodgers has always been good. It's like I'm gonna watch other things. You know, I know he'll be all right, and he hasn't this season, but you know. That's where, that's where trust gets you. Now, stabbed us in the back. From Michael Klink on Twitter, if you're Joe Philbin, would you even bother creating an offensive game plan and just let Rodgers call everything? All right, let me, let me, let me uh, role play this. If I'm Joe Philbin, I avoid all propane tanks so that terrible accident never happens again. I buy a really flashy hat, start wearing one gaudy hoop earring. I pair red with pink. I layer animal prints, and I make sure Lyle Lovett's in my entourage. It's all a distraction from how ugly I'm at if you're not keeping track of this. Anyway, so, yeah, that's going to take a lot of time, so Rodgers is free to fend for himself. That was mean. <laughs> He's a weird-looking guy. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, like, distract everyone. Hey, people are out there, like, people are giving Montgomery death threats. I'm sure they're not being kind to McCarthy. I'm just saying <laughs> Philbin's a weird-looking dude. Like, he knows it. He's playing it up. Otherwise, he'd grow eyebrows or something. <laughs> He's just old. Oh, wow. <laughs> From Rusty, What's wrong with making fun of the old? <laughs> From Rusty Wise on Twitter. Terry Bradshaw and Mark Chimura both blame Rodgers for Mike McCarthy's firing and seeing some of Rodgers' smiles after bad plays. I don't know. 
If I was with him, uh, why not smile? But I hate seeing him get rather indefensible criticism. What should we say? Defend 12 or shake our heads and put our arms out? Come on. Like you don't want to make fun of the elderly now with Terry Bradshaw <laughs> running his yacker? I honestly didn't see these comments or hear them, but... Anyway, I mean, th- this is why I hate it when Gary Busey and Bill Romanowski are all booked up anally imbibing Drano and whatever Busey, Busey would be up to and getting revenge on Meatloaf <laughs> by chewing on his mailbox. I don't know. And then we have to fall back to insights from Bradshaw and Chewy. I mean, like, ugh, talk about the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I'm not going to conjecture on Rogers, Railroad, and McCarthy. I have no idea. That's, like, beyond the veil. But, you know, I'm clearly above anything like that. I am a... <laughs> Of a higher class. I'm not yes. going to stoop to that. But, I mean, he takes a healthy chunk of the blame for the implosion of this season just on his, on his play. You know, my hands are busy spooning him that humble pie. I'm not going <laughs> to You, you hold yourself to a higher standard. I do. Yeah. What's wrong? Come on. Just the Philbin thing? Is it just the Philbin <laughs> thing? From Dead Grateful on Twitter, if Mike McCarthy was an ice cream flavor, which one would he be? How does one flavorify constant disappointment and lowered expectations crossed with a botched Belichick clone who runs double fake reverses for two-yard losses every damn game? Oh, seriously. That play, like, that was like the big trick. That was like the big nugget that we had. It's like, <laughs> oh, we're faking it. We're faking it. And then it just went for eight or nine yards. Oh, that was exciting. But, yes, thank you, Dead Grateful, again. for He's an insightful guy. <laughs> but if Jelly Belly has taught me anything, it's that grass is a great flavor, but also chemicals can approximate just about everything. So all we need to do is give flavor to the emotion of McCarthy or to flavor, flavorify him, flavorify him, as Dead Grateful so elegantly put it. So I offer this brief list for you to survey and, and choose one from. A, wet cardboard. B, Denny's gift certificate. C, Band-Aid, and D, direct-to-DVD animated sequel voiced by David Schwimmer. And in case you're wondering, I'm saying he does every voice. There's your McCarthy flavor. And, and yet somehow Jelly Belly would make these things taste good with a little sugar. Oh, not the vomit one. <laughs> that one really is bad. God bless Jelly Belly. Um, predictions for the Week 14 game, Falcons at Packers. Oh, this would be an excellent uh, time to make fun of Philbin some more, wouldn't it? No, um, <laughs> we're, I think we're going to lose. And there's a hush. Ah, no one wants to hear that. I, I was reading about the Falcons. I didn't get to watch their game from last week yet. But I was reading about them, and it's, it's hilarious how it's not really hilarious. It's the opposite of that. But how much they're in the same position as us. Yeah. Everyone's given up Heck, on the this, season. This team was in the Super Bowl not long ago. Yeah. They, they suffered the curse of losing the Super Bowl, as they say. <laughs> like, if you lose the Super Bowl, you're destined to just plummet. But their season's in tatters. They got, you know, little spots of talent, youthful talent on both sides of the ball. And they're really just they're getting a good draft pick, and they're just playing to see kind of which hole they need to fill the most. Yeah, sound like anybody? <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. You know, we're yeah. like, this is a pretty uh, fitting matchup. I, th- I think we're still going to lose. I mean, our offense is so bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who you fire and who you hire in one week. The the routes that the wide receivers are running, 
Rodgers had 10 seconds at one play, and it still <laughs> took every last millimeter of Adams' toes to make a completion. He literally had 10 seconds. I counted it. It was insane. 10 real-time seconds. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I mean, how... If you run around randomly, you're going to get open more than whatever routes we're running. I mean, can't we sit a child on the sidelines with a spirograph? We're paying Nick Perry $10 million to sit the bench, and you're telling me we can't afford a couple fun dips or LOL dolls, whatever the hell it would take <laughs> to get the assistant coordinator Isabella Muncie of Rome, Wisconsin, to sit cross-legged for three hours? Oh, my goodness. Give Philbin a toffee hammer and a box of Tua Walker's non-such and run the fractals in the confection or have someone trace the heat maps of Antonio Morris and God knows... <laughs> <laughs> His subarachnoid misfires are random. You got to get open more than that, yeah. just randomly. We're gonna lose. I, I'm going with a win. I, I don't know. I don't know if the team's motivated or not, but they're at home. Maybe Rogers is happy that McCarthy's fired and he comes out and is his old self. Uh, but they're at home against another average to well below average team. Uh, I, I think they can pull out an ugly win. It will most definitely be ugly, but I'm going with, like, 2014 Packers win. That'd be, that'd be how we're going to win because yeah. I don't see us scoring any points. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe we hold them to a— I was at, wondering myself, am I going to guess, like, you know, 14 to 7? <laughs> Three total touchdowns scored in this game. Yeah, there's, a, there's a kind of a shorthand if you're watching the NBA. A lot of people say whoever gets to 100 first. You know, it's kind of yeah. like an urban legend. It doesn't yeah, really yeah, hold yeah. true, but you get the feeling like if someone gets to 27, they yeah. got it in the bag. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Most definitely. Um, anything else before we go? I mean, you kind of tied my tongue here. I feel, I'm starting <laughs> to feel bad about Philbin. He's probably like a decent human being. You know? He's a nice guy. We'll leave it. Do we know that? that? <laughs> he hasn't failed us yet. <laughs> all right uh that'll do it for today's episode of railbird central thank you everybody so much for joining us here at b-rock and at home watching on cheesehead tv or listening to the podcasted version of the show we'll see you next week after uh this falcons game on behalf of everybody at cheesehead tv i'm brian caribou i leave you today with a song called Cannon in the Heavens by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. Go, Pack, go. Go.